Welcome to the Ink to Film Podcast. I'm James. And I'm Luke. This week we have another From the Vault episode. This time we're going to be doing our Lord of the Rings, directed by Ralph Bakshi. It's sort of animated, rotoscoped version of this story. Yeah, which many people find to be a classic version. Um, I know a lot of people, it was sort of the first adaptation they ever saw of Lord of the Rings, and, and so they, they hold a fondness for it. Um, spoiler alert for the episode you're about to hear, I did not share that fondness. <laughs> um, this is not something I grew up with, and I found the artistic style to be a bit bizarre, um, and, I, and I felt like I was pretty critical, if I'm remembering the episode correctly. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's still an interesting conversation to have, and, and um, if you were to see this today, um, I, I think most people would agree with me in that it doesn't really hold up. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I didn't see this growing up. It was not part of the sort of Lord of the Rings lexicon for me. It wasn't anything that I was, and like just watching it was it was even kind of a chore. Which is, I don't know if I'm remembering correctly. It has been a long time since mm-hmm. we since we watched this. But uh, I guess if you're a huge Lord of the Rings fan and you really want to have all of it uh, in your mind, I guess I suggest watching it just so that you have that sort of place to place to. I don't know, pick up the world from. At least from, pull but... up a clip on YouTube just so you can see yeah. what we're talking about. Um, and then, yeah, I think you'll be interested to hear our discussion of it regardless. One of the reasons we decided to release this episode now is we were just on the That's What I'm Talking About podcast where we talked about um, the scouring of the Shire episode uh, with Mary Clay, the host over there, who is going through all three books one chapter at a time. Um, so that was a lot of fun, and that kind of like immersed us back in middle earth and made us think about lord of the rings again for the first time in a while um and so also in honor of that we are going to be releasing a bonus episode on our patreon um very soon that is us discussing michael moorcock's essay epic poo which is a discussion of uh lord of the rings and other fantasy of its kind like c.s lewis's uh the lion the witch and the wardrobe series and how um he sort of is taking it down and doesn't think it should be as lauded and, and sort of held up by everybody today. Um, he finds it to be um, sort of stifling morally. Um, so we get into a, a really interesting discussion about that, in my opinion. And we're putting that out as a uh, patron exclusive. Um, that if you were looking to support us financially, um, which is greatly appreciated for just a couple dollars, you can get access to that episode and many other uh, patron exclusive episodes like the one you're about to hear um, there's a bunch still on there that you can only have access on patreon um, so we would welcome you to come do that yeah absolutely um just to just to echo that i mean that conversation was was a lot of fun uh and it will be exclusive to our patreon for a while so we appreciate your support if you're interested in listening to that um really interesting viewpoints on sort of like literature and and uh literary works as a whole yeah. and sort of Tolkien and genre fiction and, and like where he stands as like the, the beacon right now sometimes for people. Definitely the first time we've engaged with literary criticism on this podcast. Um, but it, it was fun. It was fun. So uh, yeah. if that sounds interesting to you, I, I encourage you to check it out. We also have um, many other episodes on, on films like Jaws 2 and uh, Pet Cemetery 2, which we just reco- recorded. So we often do like sequels to former adaptations, stuff like that. But anyway, that's enough of a sales pitch. <laughs> Here comes our uh, former patron exclusive, now unlocked for the main feed, coverage of the Lord of the Rings 1978 Rolf Bakshi animated film. All right, man. What the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> that was a that was an experience, right? Yeah. So, Ralph Bakshi 
animated Lord of the Rings 1978 is what we just watched. Um, my God, that was that was a chore to get through. I have nothing but thoughts on this. So I did some some reading on on Ralph Bakshi, uh-huh. and kind of a an animation legend because he brought about kind of this renaissance of looking at animation in more of an adult way and not having it be just basically for kids. Right. And so he had a couple of like really, you know, I think that there were there were some definitely some problematic things in his movies, but he was bringing about really edgy and interesting stuff in like the 70s. And then he he wanted to shift to fantasy and he made The Lord of the Rings here. And yep. he decided to rotoscope the entire movie for the most yeah, part. Or a lot of it. It, it would almost would have been better if it was all of it, but it wasn't because there was also animated characters just well, thrown in. Even even the animated characters were actors that they rotoscoped, like they animated over top of their performances. Well, it seemed like sometimes that was true, but then other times it was just pure animation. So like the main characters, when you're seeing their performances, that the reason it looks so jumpy and like glitchy is because they were all actors and they, the animators were having to animate over actual people. And uh, that's why it looked all jumpy and edgy. But like there were times that I know what you're talking about with basically what they did with this movie is they shot the entire thing in black and white. And then and then there was there was basically some of it that they just colorized. They just put like red tint on it or put like red eyes on them or something Mm -hmm. like that for something like the wraiths. And then for the actual animation of what you're seeing, like Frodo uh gandalf all of that is actual actors performing and there's like stand-in actors there that they just animated over top of because hmm. i i felt like there were times where e- within one scene it would be like you'd see the animated frodo and then all of a sudden they'd swap to the actor version of frodo and you could all of a sudden tell that there was different proportions and it, it looked rotoscoped like the other ones oh, they did that too so you're saying you're saying there was that and then there was also a different version where it was fully drawn over so yeah, so every like I was saying, imagine every single actor, everything in this movie was actually shot on a camera, uh-huh. and then some of it leave it in black and white and just color over top of it. Like when we see the orcs, or when we see like background characters, or something in a battle. Most of the people in battles mm-hmm. are just that black and white footage colored, and then the rest of it is literally animators meticulously going in and and like frame by frame, trying to animate over top of actual people. Jeez. Well, you know, and I saw I did a little bit of research, too, just because I was like, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, what is going on with this movie? And apparently it's on lists of like the top animated films of all time. Look, um, th- that's like and that's the other thing is like I, what I just said sounds really impressive and all that, but it did not work. It yeah. looked I, it was really bad. Like I I thought that and, you know, so I'm sure there's gonna be people who who stand by it and, and but it does not hold up. Well, it looks. It sounds like it was. It was at the time kind of a cult classic. It actually did really well in the box office, from what I saw. It made thirty million dollars um, in the seventies, which seems like a lot for an animated movie. It's interesting because it's like did. Th- so he wasn't able to make the sequel. Obviously, he wasn't able to continue it. Right. Someone else had to direct it, and and so like I wonder. I don't know. I, I wonder how people saw it. All all in all. So what I read was that it was kind of a cult classic, even though it got very mixed reviews, even when it came out. And it seems like a lot of diehard Lord of the Rings books fans just like went and saw this movie over and over again. Apparently, it became like a staple of midnight matinees. Um, I was reading. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because because it seems like it's more about the material. It's not necessarily about the film that was that was brought out. It was the fact that J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings was being being adapted. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And, and and I think if you're not a fan of the material, 
this is going to be uh going to be even worse for you and and apparently some critics uh, that was how they felt like that people were saying it, like made them feel sick it was it was confusing and dark and they just wanted it to be over <laughs> like um and and i felt a lot of that just because like i mean obviously because i'm spoiled and i have such better versions of the story out there um but man yeah it was it was i can see someone having some sort of like if you were alive in this 1978 and you went and saw this thing in the theater and it was the first time you saw it on the screen like it was probably pretty incredible but all that being said the 1977 version of The Hobbit that I grew up in love with, like I watched that movie so many freaking times, that predates this film. And for whatever mm-hmm. reason, they decided to try this other thing with a different person in a different studio. Instead of going with the, the group that made The Hobbit, who then later make Return of the King, which is the like unofficial sequel to this movie. Um, and I just can't believe they didn't go with it throughout because in my opinion, it's far superior to actually just have it. Like it was one of those things where it's like, I think it was a new technology. The rotoscoping was like, Ooh, we can, we can revolutionize animation and they fell in love with the idea, but man, it just, it just doesn't work in my opinion. And it was rough. I, it wasn't even a new technology. Like it had been done for a long time. Well, I think uh, in the way that it was being used was kind of, was kind of a new thing. Right. Yeah. The, the, the shot for shot basically making it animation was was definitely cutting edge for that time but i i mean you look at you look at some of the other animation that was coming out in the 70s and it's going to hold up way better than this does because and i was wishing the entire movie that i I was like man if if this had just been traditionally animated i wonder if how much more i would i would give it some leeway yeah well and like i said the 1977 version was there like that you know it's possible and it's like you took to in my opinion, it takes all of the artistry away and it just makes it seem lame and like a B movie throughout. But it has this weird sheen of cartooniness, like obviously added to it. And um, at parts, it was like it was kind of psychedelic with the backgrounds. They'd have like these like, but it, but often like the backgrounds were fixed or almost always the backgrounds were fixed. It was like a fixed painting. And then they just have the animated characters moving about on a fixed painting that you could tell because there would often be like light sources and stuff like a lamppost or a fire that was just frozen there and not moving. And it would look so silly and bad. I don't know, man. I feel like I'm all over the place, but it just uh, it didn't work. And and I I do feel like I'm kind of glad that I've seen it just because I feel like uh, it's like a deep dive Lord of the Rings nerd. It's like a cool thing to to have seen to be aware of. But beyond that, like I would steer clear of this movie. I was I'm wondering how diehard Lord of the Rings fans who maybe saw this before they saw Peter Peter Jackson's version, yeah. uh, like how they feel about it and if they stand by it still to this day. I agree with what you said. I think that in terms of a Lord, being a Lord of the Rings fan and and just like having experienced this, it's I think it's it's like watching the Star Wars holiday special. It's like if you're yes. a Star Wars fan, you you must have seen it. That's a good comparison. So you, if you if you've seen it, then you know like why it, it's worth watching. But you're not going to go watch it all the time. I have to give them a little bit of props here and there because I do think that they handled it in a fairly serious nature. I think that they they approached it not necessarily saying like this is going to be very geared towards kids. And I think that that was maybe the decision to go with uh, Bakshi. You know, I think that they they didn't shy away from things like Boromir's death or like making stuff creepy. Right. I appreciate the fact that they tried to approach it from a more adult, at least like adult friendly stance. That's true. I mean, but then you have characters like uh, Sam, 
who like what was with that character design like so many of the designs of these characters is just god awful it's so bad and some of the facial expressions i think it has something to do with that rotoscoping effect and they were trying to capture what the what the actors were actually conveying but there were some there were some facial expressions and some way over the top like i just laughed so many times yeah. watching watching a lot of the things that went on i wish it could have been more fun honestly because the the times where it was working where there's a couple times like Every now and then the background painting that they would use was actually really cool and it was really well made. It's just static. The not the actual like um, prologue that sets everything up, but the first right. shot that we see of the Shire. Yeah. Just that painting I thought was incredible. And then like, they have like several awesome. versions of it for different seasons that they cycle through and they all look cool. Like they look like it could be like a background image on your on your laptop or something. It looks it looks cool. Um, right. But. It's just weird when you have that and then almost in a completely different style, not almost, in a completely different style, the animation moving around on top of it, it's not integrated at all. Like you see in like anime, right? Where like everything is of a of a style. And instead you had this stark contrast between background and foreground. And, and man, and that's not to mention weird. that, and that's not to mention that there were sometimes that there were actual just people like, like us like what yeah. we look like not animated really in any way yeah sitting on that same like background with animated characters interacting with them as well and it was just man that was it was it was really wonky and weird and and like it pulled me out of it it couldn't could not even like attempt to be immersed uh yeah and i can see uh maybe if you're like if you're like 1978 high which i think i have to assume was like a special kind of high and you go see this thing at a midnight matinee, and you got the psychedelic shit going on. You got the the flying, the spacey backgrounds at times. You got the wizards. You got the weird old hobbits. I don't know. Maybe it could be a good time. So if you have a certain amount of nostalgia attached to that, um, I can see that. But uh, yeah, for me, uh, you know, on a on a Thursday afternoon, just watching it, it. Uh, not so good. Not so good. <laughs> I mean, let me put it this way. And like technology's come a long way, but it really does look like something that like anyone could shoot now. Like I was, I was during the prologue with just the red light and the shadows. Oh, yeah. I was like, this could be anyone. Anyone who picked up a camera could shoot this. It was like a red light and there was like a bag over it or something. There was like this weird texture. And then there was clearly like actual people just in silhouette acting shit out and you could tell it was like the cheapest of of costuming and stuff going on and just really bad acting. Yeah. So I I know what you mean. It did feel like a student film in some ways. If that, yeah. <laughs> uh so let's I mean let's we've really talked about kind of the texture of the film and all of this, but how about the idea and I know that it probably wasn't Bakshi's like first preference, but we have Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers mashed into one. Yeah, it made it drag in my opinion because just because it, it was like, wow, it's still going. They're going through all and this. And it was time. shorter, and it was shorter than than Fellowship on its own. Yeah, I know. Like, and it just didn't feel that way. There's so much happening. Two hour, fifteen minutes runtime. They they com they combined a lot of scenes. They they crushed a lot of stuff and down, but it still just felt so long. It because narratively <laughs> we go through like twenty acts of things that are happening. Right, like there's so much that happens in the story. It's insane. It feels yeah. There's no way to get a get a hold of any sort of arcs that are going on. It really was. Th th I wrote this down, and it just feels like the bullet points of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Just like this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and just show that on screen, and then get through the movie. That's what it felt like to me. It didn't. I didn't. There's like one scene of like kind of characterization, and like they're when they're all in uh, Lothlorien, and they're like mm -hmm. fighting together, and like training, and having a good time, and being happy. 
that was like really the one moment where I was like, oh, they're actually trying to like portray these people as as actual characters who have feelings and thoughts and and then that was gone pretty quickly. It was like a minute or two scene. Yeah, that gets me to some of the other research I did, um, and that was uh, that Peter Jackson initially denied having seen this movie, and then later changed his changed what uh, he, like what he said about it. He said, "Actually, no, no, I did see it. It was actually the first thing that I saw." So I don't know why he did that. And then. Um, I, I... And then he later said in another like uh, behind the scenes stuff that there's like a scene in in Fellowship where the guy says proud feet and he's got his feet up on the table. You mm-hmm. know, part during uh, Bilbo's. Yeah. He said that that was a direct homage to this movie. Well, uh, there's a lot of that uh, yeah. too. So, so, so the idea that did he say that he had never seen it before he released Fellowship, or did he say that like way I'm beforehand? I'm unclear on or... the timeline, but um, so so Boxy is apparently like kind of upset about uh his lack of credit that he feels like he was owed um he 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 says that peter jackson never asked his permission to make lord of the rings which seems kind of juvenile to me that you think that he would have to um you didn't create the story it was J.R.R. tolkien's um but okay and then he also said that he like never sent me a bottle of wine or anything um it just seems petulant from the from the the quotes that i was reading it seems like he's upset still that and he's like, oh, Peter Jackson. He's like, I've never seen the movies, but I'm glad he was able to make them or something like that. Like, he's never watched the new versions of them. It just right. seems like he's, he's you know, pretty angsty about the whole thing. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know if that maybe fed into why Peter Jackson claimed to not have seen them, because maybe that's how this guy is and he didn't want to associate himself with them. I don't know. That's so weird because I, I didn't know that going in. And there were multiple times when I was watching this animated movie where I was like, uh, that's lifted straight from, like, Peter Jackson lifted. Like, the scene yeah. with... Uh, off the side of the road where the the um, wraith is like leaning over that's like almost the exact same shot yeah. that we get in fellowship very similar yeah um, i agree a lot of a lot of it feels like it was and i thought it was like a loving homage i thought it was like i i love this and this was this was you know uh, setting the groundwork for what eventually peter jackson would be able to make so i thought that he was kind of like lovingly saying like you know you paved the way kind of thing but apparently there's there's some bad blood there so it's interesting it seems like at least from bakshi's side um from from the quotes i was reading like i said i didn't do a ton of research into this but just from what i was seeing it seems like there's some some bad blood about like he feels like he was owed more credit for the new films um than than he got but i also did read that jackson has said that 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 he had like a an exact homage there and then like you said i think um heavily influenced by this which is surprising because of how awful a lot of it looked um, yet every now and then you'd see a scene and you'd go, Ooh, they actually, that looked a lot like what we ended up getting in, in the, in the new movies. Like there was a lot of stuff in Brie, um, you know, it, there was just throughout there were, there were times where I, I was kind of struck by that too. I agree. I've, I read something else that I find really interesting and, and I, we haven't talked about this in any of our other coverage. So I think it's worth touching on for any of our other fellowship or two towers, Lord of the Rings coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that you've heard this. It's very famous. But at one point, the the Beatles wanted to do like a Lord of the Rings film. Yeah, I, I've heard of this. Yeah. How absolutely batshit 70s is the idea that the, the Beatles were going to be, I think they were going to be the Hobbits or something like that. So, so <laughs> yeah. the Beatles are going to go and, and star. And I don't know if it was going to be live action or animated, but and they like really were like trying to uh, persuade Stanley Kubrick to direct it. Yep. 
And it's like, in what world could that have ever? And I think it was Stanley Kubrick wasn't really on ever on board, but they were really pushing for it. And it's just how absolutely insane would that have been? Well, when I was reading the some of the history of this, um, it mentioned Stanley Kubrick being attached to it for a while. I guess the screenplay that uh, Peter S. Beagle oh, did, um, and but they never he was never happy with it. I guess to a point where he felt like he could actually make it. Um, but I don't I don't know. Crazy. That's just that was just some some slapdash research. Um, okay, Rankin Boss. That is the studio um, that that is the actual animation studio that did the 1977 version of The Hobbit in the 1980. Return of the King, in in my opinion, far superior uh, productions of this material. I have heard that people, after Return of the King came out, people liked this movie that we just watched more. Yeah. So I heard that, like, and, like, I haven't seen Return of the King, so I can't speak to that, but I have heard that, like, that one's not great either. I mean, it's got kind of a, it does have kind of a funny animated style um, that I think can turn people off, but... I don't know how you can like this movie better. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't know. I haven't seen it once. Maybe we, if we do the bonus episode for the Return of the King uh, animated version, I'll, I'll have some better insight on that. But yeah, after we after we cover actual Return of the King, I think that'll be on the plate as a potential yeah. option. Who were who were your favorites? Who were your favorite characters? I mean, good question. I mean, Gandalf was just like off the wall, like really insane wizard, ridiculous eyes constantly. He always is like wide eyed and open mouth. What about when he went and talked to Saruman? <laughs> so nuts. The the like psychedelic space battle that they had. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of um what was have you ever seen I think it's called like heavy metal or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reminded it's me like, a little bit of that. Yeah. Oh, this whole movie reminded me of that and I think that may be kind of influenced by uh Bakshi's style. I oh, think shit, that like you should look the, it up just in case he like made it or something. Hold on. Okay, no, he does not appear to be attached to it. I was like I think, worried for him it was going to be the same I'm, guy, but it's not. I'm sure that he he in some way was an influence on that though, because his his earlier movies were definitely in that same kind of animation style and and like I said, much more adult geared. Yeah, and that came out in 1981, so three years after this movie. Yeah. Um, another, I mean, the design that I enjoyed by far the most was Boromir. Oh yeah, because I've kept thinking that was Gimli. And then yeah. I'd be like, "Wait, no, this is Boromir. He looked like a, he looked like a dwarf, I guess." It's a, a he looks like taller, a street maybe. Viking. He has like a yeah. Viking horned helmet, and and like he's running around with his short his short uh, short shorts. I don't know what to call those, yeah. but he was killing it the entire movie, Boromir. So the ring race early on um, are these like weird shambly robed creatures, and then a- after they stab or they slash <laughs> um, the beds. Um, they like take off their hoods, which which also has to be pulled. Like that's got to be another Peter Jackson referencing this movie because that, I don't think that happens in the in the books. I think right, it happens well, differently. We see it, yeah, the, exactly in the way that Aragorn's like sitting there smoking and like looking out the window or whatever while the other yeah. hobbits are sleeping. Yep. Yeah. Um, but regardless, uh, then they all of a sudden the ring race change how they look and they become these like armored fe- creatures that are like semi translucent and. It struck me that they somehow look so similar to the orc design. Like all of the bad guys are just like they have no features. They're wearing some armor and they have glowy red eyes and they all look like almost the same. It's very weird. Well, I mean, and that gets so much worse when the Battle of Helm's Deep happens because I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, (laughs) I was like, I can't see anything that's happening. I don't know what these enemies even look like because I can't get a good look at them. Yep. How about Treebeard? Did you like his design? 
I guess he, he was, was honestly the only one of the characters that I liked. Him, him and the Balrog were like some of the few characters that felt like there was actual effort put into their design. That Balrog was real bad. That Balrog <laughs> was real bad. I think that there was a moment when the Balrog like starts to fly that I could tell that there's like a guy on wires who was being animated over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, Treebeard. Treebeard, I think, may have been one of the one of my favorite parts, just in terms of the fact that like he wasn't egregiously bad in any way. Balrog. Let's. Start, I mean, we got to hit on that Balrog a little more. Yeah. He's got kind uh, of a lion's head and a whip, and he was like. 50% taller than a person. <laughs> yeah. I was I was so close to, to coming into this episode dead serious, trying to be a deadpan the entire time and just telling you that like I loved all of it. Yeah. And the Balrog was the moment where I was like, what if I was just like, yeah, this is the best version of the Balrog we've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> Battle of Helm's Deep is way better in, in the animated movie. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I would. I, I mean, I don't know what I would have done. I think, uh, I think I might have had to quit. Might have had to just... Yeah turn it in <laughs> yeah um yeah how about gandalf pointing at everybody every time he ever talked to anybody he just put his big old finger in their nose <laughs> i didn't even realize that he was doing that I, I noticed that he was pointing but i didn't think of it he had these like really like long time. hands and i felt like he was mm-hmm. just constantly gesticulating and pointing and pointing at you pointing at you and once i noticed it like it wouldn't like i couldn't not notice it just like oh, yeah i'm gonna point at you now and i'll point at you now and i'll point at your nose and like just, <laughs> i don't know there was so it was weird too because like some of the early background images were pretty beautiful like there was a scene where gandalf and frodo are walking through the forest and over this river and i don't know a lot of that looked really cool and i was like it gave me it reminded me a little bit of the like 77 version of the hobbit um that had this like at times really beautiful animation but yeah, just it didn't hold up throughout, and a lot of what came later was just like color, like oh, it'll be a big red background, and it'll be a big black background, and it'll be a big gray and brown, and it, it was always muddy, and there was a lot of smoke like on the screen, so you they didn't have to actually use any real art for the background, um, and that and that started to become pretty awful pretty fast. I don't know. I understand from a production standpoint like why you do that, and I don't know the budget on this, and I'm sure that they struggled with. I mean, rotoscoping couldn't have been cheap. Rotoscoping yeah. all of that and it just all the stuff. It must have been just a money pit. But a couple of things that I just thought of that are just sticking out in my mind are uh, so they ride out. First of all, Theoden is like, I, and was that the same in the book? Was it Theoden that t- told Aragorn he wanted to ride out, or was it? Because I prefer the Aragorn asking asking Theoden to ride out. Uh, you know, I think that might actually be more book accurate, which is funny because I think there were times where this movie actually did a few things that were more book accurate accurate than the peter jackson thing uh adaptation every now and then but that doesn't that's not necessarily as we've established well in this podcast it's not necessarily always the best thing to do it perfectly not necessarily uh, well like mary going out and like having the weird encounter with the two ring race where he gets like knocked unconscious and i guess they shoot like a gas into the air or something and (laughs) that was (laughs) that was more similar to something that happened in the book i don't think it went down exactly like that but um once again one of those scenes that it's better just cut cut that there's a moment where i had to rewind because when they ride out theoden screams and i couldn't tell if he was screaming like gondor or what he was screaming and i had to take it back because he was screaming gandalf which is what i thought he was screaming yeah but he literally they're just in the middle of the battle and he's like gandalf (laughs) gandalf and then he appears on the on the mountainside coming down to to fight all the orcs off 
it seems like the um the pronunciation of stuff was like wildly inconsistent yeah. you know like some characters sauron uh, I, th- I felt like when they said his name it was morphing all the time into something else yeah, I read about that actually. So I guess really? the studio the studio felt that Saruman and Sauron were too similar, so they kept calling Saruman Aramon without okay. the S. So they kept saying Aramon, Aramon, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" So I like that Google that. I tried to figure out what was going on. But sometimes they do call him Saruman, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I I think it was maybe, maybe a decision that was like halfway th- in, yeah. halfway through the movie. They were like you know what, don't call him Saruman anymore. But the, and they're like, but we already started. And they're like, nope, from now on, he's Aramon. <laughs> uh, what about uh, Gollum's design? <laughs> I mean, not not the most egregiously bad thing, but it's, it, you know. Yeah, I mean, just compared version. to the other things we've gotten, it was so ridiculous. I, I mean, all of them were, were, were ridiculous, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I posted that one to our Instagram, I think. Just like, oh my god! I think that I think that he. What's really funny is that if we, you know, if you watch the appendices, you see like the original design of Gollum, and I feel like it's the original design for Gollum in the in you know the Peter Jackson films is more similar to what we get in this animated film. So it's like maybe there was something being done there to make it more different. Yeah, you're you're right. I, I guess because because this is a more humanoid shaped Gollum than like the animated version was, who was like more hunched all the time and. I don't know. I, I felt like the Peter Jackson version is kind of like a mix of both with, you know, obviously a whole lot of, you know, uh, Andy Serkis in there, too. <laughs> oh, so we were talking about how this is similar more in, in some ways. It's got more similarities to the book, but we don't get Shelob at the end of Two Towers. Right. Yep. No Shelob. Again, was a I'm assuming will be in the in the Return of the King animated film and i wonder if that was you know we talked about in our two towers coverage how peter jackson fran walsh and, and philip aboyans decided that they wouldn't have shelob in in two towers and and i wonder if it also was influenced by the fact that they they thought about all the things that went on in two towers and saw that in the animated movie they didn't have it either and it's like well it does seem like the, the right move yeah maybe um I, so it's like uh, clearly this movie was an influence um but i just I just did not enjoy myself so much that it's hard for me to like want to give it credit, but I should, I should give it credit. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I was just, it just caught me in the wrong mood, but it just, I just couldn't do it, man, with this movie. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an experience. Like I said, I don't know that I'll be doing it again anytime soon. And, and I was really excited for it is what's funny. Like I was like, Oh man. Yeah. Like, like ever since we did fellowship of the ring, we've been talking about potentially doing these animated ones. And I was like, one day we'll do it and it's going to be awesome. I'm sure it's really like a cult classic and I'm sure it'll be really fun. And then I knew it was uh, a different animated style. I didn't know how extremely different it was going to be. Yeah. I just didn't know. I, I, you know, I didn't, I'd never seen it. didn't really look into it all that much. And I just assumed that it was like, cult classic and like was really well told and and people really liked it i just assumed yeah um so it'll be interesting to hear from people if if they do love it and and hear how they differ from our opinions yeah and and if you're listening to this and you're like i don't know how i how i would feel about this uh i think the thing we would do would be to check out some clips of it on like youtube um without committing to the whole film because um, you can you can kind of appreciate the art style and the weirdness that's going on in, in some clips probably um, without having to sit through the two hour fifteen minute runtime, which was just brutal to me. Uh, it felt longer than like all of the all of the Peter Jackson films combined. <laughs> so <Somehow. laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think that it's just, there are things to enjoy about it. I think that as far as a technical achievement is concerned of the time, maybe, but it just, to, to today's standards, you're going to feel a little different about it. You know, what was also struck me, the, the music wasn't that good. And I think the animated, the like the, the Hobbit um, film uh, that I grew up on, the, the animated film, I thought the music's great in that. And it was one of the things that I remember most fondly. The, the music in this was like pretty forgettable. Um, the few songs we got just didn't didn't really work for me. And then the score would just go absent for long stretches. It would be completely silent. And then all of a sudden it'd come back on and it, it was like the same kind of like grand score. They tried to make certain scenes grander or whatever. And they were it was okay when it came on, but nothing to write home about. I mean, how bad, even if this movie, just take this movie, and if you have Howard Shore's score on it, it might be a lot better. <laughs> it was severely missing Howard Shore's score. Well, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's not even to mention Howard Shore's score, which is obviously iconic and incredible for the films. I'm just talking about even the other animated movie that came out the year before, in my opinion, had way superior music to it. Yeah, I think that if we do The Hobbit, we're going to have to do the animated Hobbit as well, so that we can have the the full animated knowledge to, Absolutely. to compare i i i'm 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 excited for it because i love that movie and i hope that i will love it just as much as an adult as i did as a kid because i watched it so many times growing up yeah um, i think that the what i take away from this is a good thing is i think that i think that peter jackson was definitely able to look at this and be like what works what doesn't work and i think that like as far as like a a basis this was a, a nice start, and people who were really into J.R.R. Tolkien were happy because they got an adaptation. You also see live-action actors doing some of these scenes. So, like, of course he's going to look at it, because it's, like, the only time it's been done. And it's, it's okay, I can see what they did here. And it, I don't know, like, I think this movie has largely been forgotten by the majority of people. Um, but maybe he felt like he had to, he had to give that homage because it was the only other thing that people were going to be comparing it to. Um, even though it was 20 years earlier. Like you said, if it was the first thing from Lord of the Rings that he encountered, then like he's got to have some some sort of connection to it. So yeah. I'm assuming that he was like, oh, you know, like as a filmmaker like that, you can you can parse things and see like what didn't work, what worked, what do you like, and then understand why it's still an important film, even if it doesn't necessarily hold up to what you think is a great movie. And I think he definitely did that. Okay, so this is something I was able to find uh, about the Peter Jackson uh Bakshi connection. So, so here's what here's what I found. The film has been cited as an influence on director Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Realm, Lord of the Rings film trilogy. After initially denying having seen Bakshi's film, Jackson admitted to having first encountered The Lord of the Rings via Bakshi's film, stating that the film was a brave and ambitious attempt. In another interview, Jackson stated that he quote enjoyed the film and wanted to know more. Bakshi is quoted as saying Peter Jackson Peter Jackson did say that the first film inspired him to go and do the series, but that happened after I was bitching and moaning to a lot of interviewers that he said at the beginning he never saw the movie. I thought that was kind of fucked up. <laughs> I mean, it is it is a weird thing to do. Clearly, Peter Jackson regrets doing it, but I mean, there's probably something just like he was just like an e- he had an ego thing going on where he just didn't want to he didn't want people to think that he was going to make the same thing, you know? Yeah. Well, so Bakshi is quoted as saying that he had, quote, mixed feelings about Jackson's adaptations, although he had not seen the films. In some, quote, (laughs) in some respects, I feel 
good that Peter Jackson continued and went on, and in some respects I feel bad that Saul Zantz, the producer, and various people never called me, thanked me, or asked my permission to do the movie, nor has anyone sent me a bottle of wine on the tremendous success, but I have more feelings on the business side than that on the I do on the creative side. I'm glad Peter Jackson had a movie to look at. I never did. And certainly there's a lot to learn from watching any movie, both its mistakes and when it works. So he had it a little easier time than I did and a lot better budget. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying, basically. Yeah. I, I think, think he like, seems he seems kind of upset about this from from that quote. I think I would be as well if if you know, if your movie gets panned and people don't like it and you work so hard on it and then somebody else comes in and does it better and like they don't they don't even say like, "Oh, thank you so much" or whatever. Like you might be a little bummed out, yeah. but And clearly there were some scenes that we have identified where Jackson obviously watched this movie and 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 was inspired by it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you want you would want to like rise above that kind of stuff and just be happy for Peter Jackson, but again, it might be kind of tough to just be like, "Yep." not inspired by me in any way and i didn't help in any way and i don't know it's also a very self-centered i think kind of way to look at it so yeah and i think it's also hard because it's like it's not your material like yeah maybe he was inspired by some of your shots and stuff but like this is gerald tolkien it's not you you didn't write this movie i right. think if you if you had written lord of the rings and done your and then obviously it would have been like what the fuck how did how dare you but you did right so yeah yeah, I don't know. and ultimately, like if he had if he had had like an amazing animated version, then he might have another leg to stand on or something. You know, it's like right. if if it had been incredible, and then they go and make it and like rip him off completely or something, then it might be different. But yeah, I don't know. Ultimately, I think where I land on it is just like more. Do I feel a little bad for the guy because his movie didn't work out? Yeah, but it seems like he's being a little sourpuss about it. So yeah, it seems like that to me too. I don't know. Uh, I'd have to do more research into this to really understand what's going on between these guys. But all right. Until next time. Thanks for listening.